Hello, this is Father Michael Eads from the Toronto Oratory, and you're listening to Lexio et Oratio, a short spiritual reading podcast followed by a reflection. The Imitation of Christ by Thomas Akempis, Book 3, Chapter 58, about God's secrets. We ought not to search into his unfathomable judgments. Christ the Beloved. You must beware, my son, of arguing about matters above your understanding, about the unfathomable judgments of God, wondering why one man is so forsaken while another enjoys such an abundance of God's favor, or why A is so greatly afflicted and B raised to such extraordinary heights. All these things are quite above anything the human mind can grasp. No amount of reasoning or argument can explain why God does this or that. So when the enemy puts such questions in your mind, or when you get inquisitive people asking them, answer them in the words of the prophet. So just, Lord, are you, your words are truly given. You can say this too. How unerring are the words which the Lord makes, one and all giving proof of their justice. My judgments are to be held in awe, not made a subject for discussion. They are beyond the reach of man's understanding. Another thing you must not do is to inquire into the merits of the saints and argue about them, wondering if one of them was holier than another, or which of them is greater in the kingdom of heaven. Such discussions are often the cause of quarrels and futile arguments, and add fuel to pride and pointless boasting. From these, in turn, spring envy and ill feeling, with one man proudly trying to give the prize to one saint and the next man doing the same for a different one. Wanting to know such things, to probe into them, is a completely barren occupation and certainly won't find favor with the saints themselves. Remember, God is the author of peace, not of disorder. And that peace is to be found in genuine humility, not in putting oneself on a pedestal. There are some people who are drawn by an emotional kind of piety, to have a greater devotion to this saint or that. But such devotion is human rather than divine. It was I who made all the saints. I gave them grace and bestowed glory upon them. I know the merits of each one of them. I went before them with the blessings of my loving kindness. Before time was, I already knew those beloved of mine. It was I who chose them out of the world, not they who first chose me. I called them by means of my grace, and through my mercy I drew them to me, and in all kinds of temptations I led them as their guide. I poured consolation upon them with unstinting hand, gave them the grace to keep on to the end, and awarded them a crown for their patient endurance. I know them all, the greatest and the least, and in love beyond all reckoning I clasped them to my heart. In all my saints, I am pleased, and above all things blessed and honored in each of those whom, without any previous merit of their own, I predestined to have the glory and greatness I have now given them. If anyone, therefore, speaks slightingly of one of the least of my saints, he is not thereby honoring one of my great ones, because I have made both little and great.
And anyone who is lacking in respect for any of my saints is lacking in respect for me too. For all others who are in the kingdom of heaven, they are a single entity, each being bound to the rest by the bonds of love. All share the same thoughts, the same desires. All love one another. Not only this, but something higher still. They love me more than themselves and their own merits, carried beyond themselves, drawn forth from their love of self. They devote themselves entirely to loving me in whom they find their rest and their fulfillment. There is nothing that can turn them away from me or make them grieve, for they are full of the eternal truth and burn with the unquenchable fire of love. So let the worldly and sensual man stop discussing the relative positions of the saints. People like that have no idea of love beyond what gives them personal pleasure. They give one saint a lower place, another a higher one, just as suits their own preference and not as the eternal truth has decided that things really are. In a lot of people, of course, this is just a question of ignorance, especially in those who have little spiritual insight and are seldom able to love anyone with a perfect spiritual love. Such people are still greatly attracted towards one person or another by natural affection and the liking one man has for another. That is the way they behave in the case of people on earth and they imagine they can do the same kind of thing with those who are in heaven. However, there is an immense gulf between the fancies of such imperfect men and the view of reality granted to men of spiritual perception through that lifting of the veil they have from God. Beware then, my son, of spending your time delving into matters like that, matters which outstrip your understanding. If you want an occupation and something to aim at, let it be an endeavor to be reckoned among the least in the kingdom of heaven. Even if anyone did know which saints were holier than the others, or who was accounted greatest in the kingdom of heaven, what good would that knowledge do him unless it made him humbler in my sight and caused him to rise from his knees to give greater glory to my name? The man who considers how great his sins are and how small his virtues. The man who realizes how far he lags behind the perfection of the saints is acting in a way far more pleasing to God than the man who has arguments about which of the saints are greater or lesser in God's sight. It is better to beg help of the saints with devout prayers and tears and humbly call upon them for their glorious intercession than to indulge a foolish curiosity by trying to learn their secrets. The saints are completely and utterly contented if only men knew the way to contentment and could restrain their empty chatter. The saints take no pride in their own merits, attribute no goodness to themselves, but all to me. It was I who gave them everything out of my boundless love. They are brimming with so great a love of God, so overflowing a joy that nothing is wanting to their glory and nothing can be lacking to complete their happiness. The higher they are in glory, the humbler are all my saints in themselves, the closer and dearer to me. That is what is meant by that passage in Holy Scripture. They threw down their crowns before God, falling prostrate before the Lamb, and worshipped him who lives forever and ever.
A lot of people want to know who is the greatest in the kingdom of God, even though they don't know whether they themselves will be ever worthy to be counted among the least there. It is a great thing, even to be among the least in heaven, where all are great, because all there shall be called and shall really be the children of God. The least there shall be equal to a thousand ordinary men, and the sinner, for all his hundred years, shall die. When the disciples asked who was the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, this was the reply they heard. Unless you become like little children again, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. He is greatest in the kingdom of heaven who will abase himself like this little child. It will go ill with those who disdain to abase themselves willingly to the level of little children. The door of the heavenly kingdom is low and will not let them in. Those with money, too, will be sorry. The men who have had their own kind of comfort in this world, the poor will enter the kingdom of God, while they themselves stand whimpering outside. So be glad, you humble folk. Dance for joy, you who are poor. It is to you the kingdom of God belongs. If only you will walk by the paths of truth. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Angels of God, our guardians, dear, to whom God's love commits us here, ever this day be at our side, to light and guard, to rule and guide. Amen. Most sacred heart of Jesus, teacher of teachers, have mercy on us. Saint Philip Neri, gentle guide of youth, patron of thy own, vessel of the Holy Ghost, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. What a captivating depiction Thomas Akempis gives us of the saints in heaven. As he describes it in tonight's chapter, they are completely full of joy, completely full of love, and they rest by the bonds of love. They share the same thoughts, the same desires. They all love one another. The saints in heaven are a kind of single entity. And Thomas Akempis isn't denying that there may be one saint in heaven who loves God more than another, that there may not be some kind of degree of love, a greatest in the kingdom of God because he's the, she's the most humble, the most loving. He's not denying that. But he's saying, why even think like that? And what's his main argument? His main argument is that the saints in heaven don't think that way. They don't think about that. They don't care about that. And so people on earth who might, by the way, not even reach heaven, should not even be concerned with that. But what we should draw from this is primarily an inspiration for how to live even now. Think how the saints are living. They are so completely focused on God and on praising him, that they don't even think about giving them personal pleasure. Of course, do they have pleasure? Yes. Do they have joy? Yes. Why? Because pleasure and joy are the consequence of doing something good, of acting in a good way, of in having, possessing something you love. And therefore, the pleasure and the joy comes from that. And these saints are on fire with love 
And because they're loving God, because they're living fully the life of the Holy Trinity, they are just captivated. And from that life and that loving activity, there's joy overflowing. See, when we try to aim at pleasure or aim at joy, when we just try to make that the goal, in whatever avenue of life, in our personal relationships or food or some other thing, and we just try to get all the pleasure we can out of it, we end up messing everything up because pleasure and joy cannot be aimed at as a goal. They have to be the byproduct. And when we make them the goal, we tend to sort of frustrate the process that leads to joy. We end up, for example, turning another person into a pure object. We end up becoming very selfish. We stop even having the full joy we can, for example, with eating, because we're kind of narrowed down our focus. We close ourselves off. But that's not what the saints are doing in heaven. They are fully alive. They are what a human person can be. Can we possibly reach that stage now? No. But what we can do is beg the Lord to A, help us get to heaven. That's our main thing. That is our main interest. Help us get to heaven. Help us give glory to God, Lord. And as we're traveling the path, what should be happening, what we want to happen, what we have to ask for to happen, is that divine love and truth will grow in our hearts. This chapter does not separate love and truth. As he says at the end, live by the truth. But what's the measure of our heavenly glory? How much we love. And so we should never accept the truth, a saint has said, unless it's presented with love. And we should never unless accept something as love that's not connected to the truth. The truth is what sets us free. And the highest truth is that God himself is love. God himself is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God himself is an eternal exchange of love. And it's into that exchange of love. It's into that transformation of ourselves into the, a person who can give and receive love, that he's calling us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.